Hey, this is Stephen Blandino, and welcome to this month's episode of the Leader Fluent Podcast. The last two years have been the most difficult years to lead through for millions of leaders. And if we're honest, we've all had moments in the season where we felt like a failure. Well, that's what I'm going to talk about in today's episode of Leader Fluent. We're going to focus on how to lead when you feel like a failure. Now, I promise it won't be depressing, but I am going to share some of my own story as well as five powerful principles that will help us move forward during difficult seasons. Hey, before we jump in, let me just remind you that my new book, Stop Chasing Easy, is now available in print and ebook formats. The things that matter most in life are rarely easy, and in this book, I'll share four powerful trade-offs to make your life and leadership truly count. Plus, there's all kinds of bonus content that's free when you buy the book, including a great masterclass for leaders. Check it out today at StopChasingEasy.com. Hey, thanks again for listening to Leader Fluent. Let's jump into today's lesson. Every leader has moments and seasons when they feel like a failure. It might be after an event that didn't go as planned or maybe after a speech that fell flat. It might be during an extended season of decline or maybe after a major rift in your organization. We've all had those moments. In fact, if you haven't had feelings of failure at least once in the last two years, I'd love to meet you because I'd love to hear your secret. And here's the thing, even if you've experienced a good measure of success during the pandemic, your resolve has probably probably been tested and your well-crafted plans have likely been overhauled or maybe even come to a, a screeching halt. In fact, let me make it really personal just for a moment. This past summer, we did a survey at Seven City Church where I pastor to really get a feel for where we were after so much disruption during the pandemic. When we evaluated the survey results, we were shocked to discover that 28% of our on-campus congregation had been attending for less than six months, and 41% had been attending Seven City for less than one year. Now, here's the thing. When I saw those numbers, I was so excited that we were reaching so many new people. But if I can be really honest with you, another part of me felt like a failure because our overall attendance numbers were still flat. And that's when it dawned on me that over the last two years, we had probably lost at least 50% of our congregation during the pandemic. So one side of me was celebrating and the other side of me was feeling like a failure. And maybe you can relate, whether it's attendance, volunteerism, if you've got a business, maybe it's product sales or services or some other metric that you track. I'm guessing at some point in recent weeks or recent months or over the last two years, you've probably experienced down and to the left instead of up and to the right, if you know what I mean. So what do you do in these moments? When you feel like a failure, even if only for a moment, how do you lead? Well, today I want to share five things that I believe will help us in these critical moments. Number one, remember your identity. You see, it's really easy, especially in leadership, to attach our identity to our performance 
and to our growth. The problem is, if we're not careful, we'll assume that God uses that same standard, that same measure to evaluate us. Over the last few weeks, I've been studying God's love in Scripture, which has really been an amazing journey. I'd encourage you to maybe do your own study in this particular area. But through the study, something really surprised me, and that is that the most common description of God's love in the Bible is the phrase, unfailing love. There are literally dozens and dozens of passages in the Bible that describe the unfailing love of God. For example, in Psalm 36, 7, it says, How priceless is your unfailing love, O God! People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And then in Psalm 52, 8, it says, But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. Now, here's what stood out to me. God's love does not fail even when we do. His love doesn't fall short. It doesn't break. It doesn't run dry. It's an everlasting love that literally stretches from generation to generation. And as difficult as, difficult as it is to believe, especially in, in our culture, our performance has nothing to do with how much God loves us. Think about it. On your best day and on your worst day, if you put those two days side by side, God loved you the same on both of those days. Consider Jesus, for example. In Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 22, it says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Here's what I want you to notice. The Father declared his love for the Son before Jesus ever performed a single miracle. In other words, the Father's love wasn't based on Jesus' performance. His love wasn't, wasn't based on whether or not Jesus had a big crowd or a fruitful day of ministry. The Father loved Jesus and was pleased with Jesus before his ministry ever began. And the same is true for you and me. Our identity must be firmly rooted in the unwavering love of God. You see, if you're only successful when things are up and to the right, then what does that make you all the other days of your life? A failure? If that's true, we'll spend our lives trying to earn God's love and perform our way into his kingdom. And we know that's not the way it works, right? So remember, even when you feel like a failure... Your failure doesn't define you, but Jesus' love does. So, if you're leading and you feel like a failure, this is where it begins. Remember your identity. Number two, reframe your perspective. Dr. Bobby Clinton, who has done a tremendous amount of research on leadership, specifically leaders in the Bible, he's observed that the difference between followers and leaders is perspective. And he says that the difference between leaders and better leaders is greater perspective. In other words, how we see life will determine how we respond to life. 
And how we see our leadership challenges will determine how we, re- we respond to those leadership challenges. So if our perspective is off, then our response to failure will also be off. But if we learn to reframe our perspective and view our circumstances and our trials and our failures through the right lens, we'll respond in healthier and holier ways. Now, consider the alternative. Without proper perspective, we're more likely to quit when the going gets tough, right? Or without the right perspective, we're likely to let our failures define us and and maybe even let our setbacks deter us. Without really solid perspective, we'll be prone to overreact or to exercise poor judgment or even to do things that ultimately make our situation more difficult. I love something that Elizabeth Elliot once said about perspective. She said, if you believe in a God who controls the big things, you have to believe in a God who controls the little things. It is we, of course, to whom things look little or big. Think about that for a moment. There's no such thing as big or small to God, right? There is no such thing as easy or hard to God. So when we face big or small or easy or hard, we have to reframe those things with a perspective that nothing is too difficult for God. Only then, only then will we respond properly to our hardships and failures. So reframe your perspective. Number three, redefine your measures of success. Now, this is really important whenever you're leading in a time where you you feel like you're failing. When drastic changes occur in our environment, it often requires us to redefine success. And, And I think we've all had to come to grips with this during COVID. COVID thrust us into an unpredictable environment that turned many of our measures upside down. So, how do, we do, how do we redefine measures of success? One way to do that is to start tracking lead measures, not just lag measures. Now, Chris McChesney talks about this in his book, The Four Disciplines of Execution. So, so what's the difference between lag measures and lead measures? Well, the Franklin Covey organization observes that when it comes to lag measures, they are called lag measures because... By the time you see them, the performance that drove them has already passed. You can't do anything to fix them. They are history. But lead measures, on the other hand, they track the critical activities that drive or lead to the lag measures. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you have a goal to lose 20 pounds. When you stand on the scale, that's when your lag measure will appear. And no matter what that measure says when you stand on that scale, there is nothing that you can do in the moment to change that measure. It's history. It's done. But what you can do is control the lead measure. So for example, you can start counting calories. You can start working out several days a week, right? Those are activities you can control, which will eventually lead to a different lag measure. Attendance is another example of a lag measure. When you get the report on on how many people showed up to a service or to an event, there is nothing in the moment you can do to change that number. It is a lag measure. Again, it's history. But what you can start doing is tracking 
a lead measure that is in your control. For example, you might start tracking how many visitors you follow up each week or how many contacts you make each week, right? You can control those things. And when you control these lead measures, they oftentimes will eventually move the needle on the lag measure. So redefine your measure of success by looking beyond the lag measures, which again are much harder to control, and adding lead measures to your metrics, which are very much in your control. Number four, reflect and relearn. Reflect and relearn. Sometimes we can feel like a failure because something we tried actually failed, right? In other words, the feelings of being a failure aren't just tied to something that the entire world is dealing with, like the pandemic, right? Instead, they're tied to something we did that didn't turn out the way we thought it would. Well, here's the thing. In those moments, as hard as it can be, they are actually opportunities to reflect on what has happened and then make a conscious decision to learn from it. In fact, one of the biggest keys for a leader's long-term growth is to embrace a willingness to learn, unlearn, and relearn. You see, learning gets you started in life, right? It helps you become successful. But somewhere along the way, the things you've learned can actually get in the way. In other words, they can become your ceiling. Now, here's the thing. I'm not talking about unlearning values like integrity and honesty and hard work, things like that. These are rock solid principles that are going to guide your life and they're going to they're guide you for the rest of your life. So, so I'm not talking about that. Instead, I'm talking about unlearning methods and strategies that once worked but have now become barriers to growth and progress. In other words, their shelf life has expired, even though you might do those things very well. But how many of you know that, that efficiently doing the wrong things doesn't get you very far? So when you feel like a failure, take an hour or two, pull back, reflect on your situation and determine if there's something you need to unlearn and then relearn. You see, there is often gold hidden in our failures. The problem is, we can become so consumed with running from our failures that we simultaneously run from the gold that's hidden in those failures. Intentionally mine for the gold. When you do, it's going to help you get better. Okay, number five. Reimagine what could be. One of the concerns that I have is that after more than two years of being in a pandemic, so many leaders have stopped dreaming. Their imagination has been so clouded by what has been that they haven't reimagined what could be. So listen, what was doesn't have to define what will be. In other words, yesterday's failure doesn't have to dictate the future. So if that's where you find yourself today, let, let me just encourage you with an exercise that I think might help. Imagine for a moment that you never worked where you work right now. Okay, so if you work at a church, imagine that you never worked at that church. If you work for a certain business, imagine that you never worked for that business. Now, imagine that same church or that same business or that same organization interviews you for a job and then they decide to hire you for that job. 
And, and imagine the excitement that you have in that moment. Imagine that, you know, you go home, you tell your spouse or your friends or your neighbor, and, and you can't wait until the day that you start. Now, between the day that you were offered the job and your first day on the job, what are you doing? You're probably dreaming about everything that you're going to do on that new job, right? You're, you're dreaming about the difference that you're going to make. You're, you're dreaming about the value that you're going to add to the organization. Why? Because you have no past in that job to hold you back. You have a clean slate. You have a fresh start. In other words, you have a dreamer's mindset. So here's my point. You might need to mentally resign from your job, then rehire yourself, and then walk into the office Monday morning with a dreamer's mindset. Now, here's the thing. I know that might sound strange, but think about it like this. During the Great Recession, resignation, millions of people have left their jobs, right? And they've left for a variety of reasons. Some people left because the pandemic made them, you know, realize that life is too short to keep doing the type of work that they're doing. Some people left because they decided it was time to go into business for themselves. Some people left because they didn't like their boss or they didn't like their their pay, whatever, right? There's all kinds of reasons why people left. And I'm not saying those, you know, are bad reasons. I'm just saying that's the reality. The, the reasons are wide and they're varied. But some people, who had been in the organization for several years left because they because what they lost made it too painful to stay okay i want you to hear this this is really important some people left because what they lost made it too painful to stay in other words almost overnight because of the pandemic they watched years and years of progress evaporate. And the thought of spending years and years to rebuild just to get back to where they were was too painful, okay? So, so a person that had been in the organization for an extended period of time for several years, suddenly that's wiped out. All that work, it just feels like it's gone. And now they're looking and they're saying, oh my gosh, how am I going to even get back to where I was, much less beyond that? So instead, a lot of people went somewhere else where they had no history to remind them of what they lost. And as a result, they were able to start with a clean slate and to dream again. So here's my challenge to you. If you feel like you're failing, don't quit. Instead, again, rehire yourself and start Monday morning with a different mindset, with a dreamer's mindset. In fact, you might need to start your first day on the job with a personal retreat where you reimagine what could be. It is time to dream again. It is time to reimagine the future. And I think as you do that, it's suddenly going to bring fresh new life. Something exciting will begin to rise up inside of you because you realize, you know what? I, I, I might have felt like a failure, but that day is ending today. Like I am moving forward into something better, something more powerful, something that's going to make a difference for the future, not only of my life, but for the organization that I lead. So let's recap. How do you lead when you feel like a failure? Put these five principles to work. Number one, remember your identity. Number two, reframe your perspective. 
Number three, redefine your measures of success. Number four, reflect and relearn. And number five, reimagine what could be. You are not a failure. Even when those feelings come and just seem to sabotage your mind, I want you to know that's not who you are. Instead, you are loved and God will give you the strength and the grace to lead through those difficult seasons. And I believe that he wants you to dream again, to reframe how you're seeing things, to redefine success, to recognize I can learn from this and it can become a catalyst to something greater. But above all, it begins by remembering where your identity is established. Your identity is in Christ. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson on leading when you feel like a failure. And if you found it helpful, would you do me a favor and rate or review the podcast? I really do appreciate it. Also, why not check out some of the previous episodes of Leader Fluence? Some of the topics that I've covered over the last few months are things like how to create a plan for personal growth, 10 ways to lead up, seven shifts that you have to make when becoming a lead pastor, the eight pitfalls of teachability, and delegation in three simple steps. Those are just a few of the episodes that we've covered in the last few months. And so I want to encourage you to check those out. I think they're going to really help you, encourage you, and just uh, inspire your growth. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of Leader Fluent. Stop by stephenblandino.com to learn more, and I'll see you again next month.